Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About It, a podcast created by The Fuse, an outreach initiative within the College of Applied Studies and recorded right here on campus at the Elliott School of Communication at WSU. I'm Jessica Newman. And I'm Bobby Berry. So welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About It. And we are loving season two so far. And this episode is going to be without an exception. So today we're going to talk to our LGBTQ plus community of learners and what it's like for a member of this community to work in higher education and to be a college student. So personally, as an individual who's navigated through higher education professionally, I would say this has probably been one of the most challenging things for me to do. When you think about identity and how identity plays a huge factor into everything that we do, um, the way in which we we engage with people, the way in which we, we do our work. And so having those layered identities, not only being a male, being gay, being black, and being an educator, uh, for me, it has been quite the journey. So joining us today for this first portion of our episode is Dr. Kerry Wilkes, professor and associate dean of the WSU Graduate School, and Mr. Gabriel Fonseca, I have to say it like that, Gabe, sorry, <laughs> assistant director of student involvement and advisor to WSU Student Government Association. So Gabe is also an unclassified professional senator as well. So thanks to you both for being um, here with us today. Yes, thank you. It's our pleasure. So let's begin by having you um, each tell us a little bit about your personal, uh, how you personally identify, and also tell us a little bit about your career in higher education. So Gabe, I'm going to start with you. So I personally identify as a gay man, um, and I started working in higher education when I was 20 years old, so fairly young, right out of my undergrad. Um, and I started a job here in Kansas, uh, working at a religious-based institution. So it was interesting kind of um, going into my first professional setting and then also trying to Right at that point, still coming, not necessarily coming to terms with being gay, but kind of like figuring out how the gay piece of my life and who I am was going to um, play a part in me professionally. So, um, and it was even trickier working at a religious-based institution because that provided its unique challenges. Uh, but needless did I know at that point that there was um, a population of other gay students on campus who haven't seen a person in, an, in a leadership position or in a person working at that institution particularly um, being gay. And so it was interesting kind of, I, I don't want to, I don't know, like being that person to them and so kind of helping them as they're still coming out because that's something that I definitely didn't have when I was first coming out with someone that I could kind of connect to or someone that I can kind of talk to about it. Um, so it was very interesting. And then when I started here at Wichita State, um, I think it, it wasn't a thing that I thought about anymore because uh, at that point, 24 years old and working professionally, that has just been the experience. Um, so it's, it, I would say it's been interesting um, and then just interesting in spaces that I exist in, in, in meetings that I, I go to or people that I talk to of, of how that identity kind of plays into my normal pro professional career um, and even sometimes my personal career being in the Midwest is a very interesting experience. Um, so yeah, that's, a, that's how, how I identify a little bit about my higher ed piece. And Carrie, what about you? How do you identify and tell us a little bit about your career in higher education thus far? Sure. So I identify as a bisexual woman, and I think what might be a little bit unique for me is that I came into this identity later in life. Mm -hmm. So I was already finished grad school, finished my master's, my PhD, already had my job here at Wichita State before I came out. And um, so I started the beginning of my career in higher ed as an ally, as mm -hmm. an LGBTQ ally. And then I transitioned into a member of the LGBTQ community. And then of course, I think some of my challenges 
are maybe a little bit more related to being bisexual. Mm -hmm. And there's that whole conversation about that identity. Mm -hmm. Um, And since I am married to a woman, I often get mislabeled Mm -hmm. as a lesbian. So, um, but that's not, I guess, related to higher ed in particular. So I came to Wichita State as a professor and I came out as a queer a few years before I got tenure. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that was nice for me about that was the dean I was working under at the time identified as a gay man. Mm. So that gave me a lot of comfort in in navigating at you know as a untenured professor that you know doesn't have as much protections or whatnot that helped a lot but then after that um you know with all the privilege i have with being a professor um and other kinds of privilege that i carry it you know that has made a difference Hmm. that's fascinating i i don't know um if I ever really would have thought about um, what that process would have been like coming out in going through that process of tenure, because I know that's a very strenuous uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> process yeah. as a person who's on his first year. Um, <laughs> and I understand, but I, I guess the, the the sexuality piece and the identity piece, if that wasn't something that was established previously, mm-hmm. um, I, I never really thought about that added layer. I was so fortunate, like, when, when, it, when I came out, and, and I'm from the modern and classical languages and literatures department, uh, I'm a Spanish professor, and when I first came out, I literally had colleagues coming up and going like, way to go, and how oh, cool great. is that? Yeah, and one woman even said to me, I'll never forget this, oh, I've always wanted to try that. <laughs> 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 and wow. so having that kind of support, plus knowing that my dean was gay, I didn't feel like I was risking things. Yeah. I felt I felt like I was in a safe community to come out. Mm. But again, remember, I also said I had other layers of privilege too. Right, right. right. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you had a, a relatively safe environment, you know, in which you came out in your professional career. But I am curious if either of you, and we can start with you, Gabe, um, have had times in your professional career when maybe you didn't feel comfortable about being open about your orientation, um, or worse, that maybe you needed to hide who you were in order to succeed or progress or anything like that. Have you ever experienced anything like that? I would probably say I experienced that at my time at my at my previous institution. Um, so with the right with the idea of working at a religious institution, I think made me nervous, and I feel like I did have to tone my personality down a little bit to kind of conform to that experience. Um, and right, 20 year old me thought this was gonna be a good challenge for me to think about how do I exist in this space and still do the work that I love to do. Um, so I think maybe for the first couple of months on the job, I definitely felt like I had to do that just so that, right, I could be in spaces that I needed to be in to support and advocate for my students or so that some people could take a 20-year-old new professional seriously and not think about that piece. Um, But it was very, I mean, challenging because, right, the campus had conservative students and it had conservative faculty and staff and it had very liberal students and very liberal faculty and staff. Um, So it was kind of that weird combination of it. 
I do remember at my time there, I actually didn't come out. Um, I had a student out me, um, which was interesting because right when the spaces of which I'm trying to work with my students and like the people I was working with, um, right, it was just trying to like how do I seem, I don't use the word normal now in the sense of like being gay is not normal, but like how do I seem as like a brand new professional, brand new person in their life and how do I kind of build those relationships with them? So I felt like, okay, well let me, you know, talk about this with who I am with my students and the people that I work with. Um, And I remember that moment um, where that, so it was a student who uh, felt uncomfortable working for someone who identified as a gay man um, and being then at a religious institution. So it was very interesting. Um, and I was nervous. So like that entire time I was like, well, what's going to happen now? Right? right. Like thinking about now everyone else knows. And like now people who I probably never interacted before now know and they're making either some sort of judgment about it or, or something. Um, but fortunately, I think the people I was working with and the person I worked for um, was were very supportive, and I think the college itself felt like it needed to embrace um, the uh, the LGBT uh, uh, population on campus um, because there were there were gay students on campus, and so um, so I think that was the only experience I think professionally I felt like I had to adjust. Uh, when I came here, it definitely wasn't a secret because that was the first thing that I said and shared with folks because like, I was thinking a state institution, things are gonna be different and right, they maybe have to be. And so, um, but I think I learned a lot from that experience that hiding, I guess, a part of who I am just to conform to something or to this idea wasn't something that I wanted to do. And it definitely wasn't something that I wanted to share as a message to students that I worked with, um, that you have to be different or or act different or show a different face just so that you can be accepted in in an environment. Um, So definitely coming here, I haven't had that feeling here. Now in the field, definitely I think I've had some of those um, experiences, but but nothing in the moment right, at working here have I felt like I needed to alter that identity just so that I could, I guess, fit in or be accepted or anything like that. Yeah. There's something that <clears throat> you said that just, like, as an ally hits me as something that I have never had to think about. And you said, how can I exist in this space and still do the work that I love? And I'm just like, wow. Like, I know that. I know mm-hmm. that as an ally. But but I you just, when you hear it, it's just like, wow. That's Or the fact that you felt you need to tone down your personality. Yeah. That's That's... Horrible. So I'm glad that you're here. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. you don't feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was. It was interesting, and I think, uh, you know, I, I think I felt like at that point I was lying to myself uh, because I already had read, gone through the process of coming out, and that was already hard enough to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I didn't want that to be the message to right the younger people that I get that I get to work with that you have to do this too. Like, right, the hope of there are people who have already done this who can make it easier for me, and then I want to make it easier for the next generation of, of gay people to come out and not have to worry about that being the norm that other people had to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that you would add? I know we kind of talked a little bit about your professional career already, but anything you would add to that? Well, what I would probably add is that while the beginning was really smooth and while my experiences being a professor were very smooth, when I moved into administration, um, several years into that journey, I started having a few more challenges. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were the kind of challenges that were 
settle. And like when I was listening to, to Gabrielle's story, I like my eyes started tearing up because I, I started getting some of these memories and I was thinking, well, what am I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to cry. And then, <laughs> but what, what I mean by that is I think by working, as Gabrielle said, at a state institution, and there are certain things that we need to do. And we have in our discrimination policy, we have um, gender identity and sexual orientation in that. But there's all the unwritten things. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, this is when it gets hard. <laughs> I'm also the chairperson of Equality Kansas. And one of the things I've noticed about being at WSU is I've had to keep those identities separate. And there's a part of me that gets sad and to be quite frank, sometimes angry that it's not something we celebrate. Right. Like, hey, look, we happen to have someone that does this great work. Right. And instead I feel like even though there's no one directly telling me this, right, I shouldn't. And why? Because we're in Kansas. Sure. And because now that I'm at, quote, a certain level, you know, I have to make sure that I'm not saying things that could possibly offend like KBOR or legislators or something like that. So, for example, when my wife and I were uh, suing the state of Kansas for the right to get married, I made sure never to mention Wichita State. And, what, and sometimes they would come to WSU and interview me, reporters would, and I'd always take off my name tag. And then... After all of that, um, I had the opportunity to serve as interim dean, and I had um, several people, um, not in a mean fashion, but basically tell me, if you want to become dean, they were giving me the advice that I needed to tone it down. I needed to tone down my advocacy. Wow. Yeah. Um, that was hard, because they had really good intentions. I right. know they did, but... The fact that it, I, it wasn't being celebrated, like people weren't asking me to come and give a talk on, hey, what is all the work you do in this other hat you wear? And then instead, hearing some people on the down low basically saying, maybe you should tone it down. Yeah, and probably thinking, I mean, I would. they probably thought they were looking out for you in some Absol sort of a weird, convoluted yeah. way. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Everyone had the best intentions, and I totally understand. I work with you know, the legislature and my advocacy, and I get that. And we do have leaders on this campus that are LGBTQ. But I think um, there's this book, Kenneth something, I believe, called Covering. Mm. And I think there's a lot, like the idea of covering, like we can, as long as we don't present ourselves as gay right. and like mm -hmm. throw it in your face, face yeah. yeah, then we're okay. Yeah. Then we're the we're the gays to be celebrated. We're the gays that are gonna that are tick normal. that diversity yeah. box and the make us fit in. Yeah. And make us feel good that we're a diverse campus, but not the ones that are demanding things, not mm -hmm. the ones that are saying, Hey, you know, maybe just because we have people in leadership positions that are gay doesn't mean that everything is okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you think about it, if anybody was a chairperson or, you know, was doing a lot of work in any other sort of a committee capacity like that, it would be celebrated. I mean, this is, there's not a lot of work. You know what I mean? Like if I was on a committee, I would put it on my resume. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's just a very different way of approaching your 
extracurricular work, so to speak. That's true. And like one of the things I could relate to, though, then with Gabriel is he said when he came here, you know, that strong thing, like he wasn't, I can't remember your words, hon, but it was like you weren't going to hide anymore, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the things I've done in the last year or so is I put that on my CV, uh, so, you know, the academic awesome. resume. And I was just like, no matter where I go in the future, they're going to know they're getting a loud and proud bisexual woman that's going to advocate. And that probably means I'm going to have to, if I, if for some reason I ever left WSU, I'd have to go to a state that was okay with that. Yeah. When you think about industries as a whole, and there's, there's a variety of different industries, but there's some industries or organizations or businesses where they're very progressive. So mm-hmm. sexuality or even thinking about hiding it or having to conceal it or tone it down is really not relevant in those particular industries. Um, when I think about some of the previous work that I've done prior to coming to Wichita State, I was in the fitness industry. And so thinking about working with athletes or working with um, bodybuilders and just thinking about that environment and having to be very, you know, I wouldn't say... Mm, I wouldn't say having to hide anything, but just being really mindful because you don't want everyone thinking, oh, he's looking at me as I'm squatting or whatever the case may be. Just that undertone of uncomfortability in the room. You didn't want that. Um, And so kind of thinking about uh, how we still have a long road to inclusivity. Do you feel like higher ed as an industry um, or as a profession is generally accepting of folks who identify anywhere on the spectrum? And I'll start with you, Dr. Wilkes, for that one. Hmm. That's a great question. You know, we've already talked a little bit about the fact we do have some protections, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, according to some people, uh, academia is just a bastion of liberals that are crazy anyway. (laughs) So so in theory, all should be well, right? And um, I do know a professor who I will not name, that is working in a department here at WSU that, um, and granted this was a few years ago, didn't feel comfortable with her uh, sexuality. She, she, she identifies as being a lesbian. And so while I think that, yes, the university overall probably makes people feel a little bit more comfortable, I, I, I mean, it did for me, and I mm-hmm. don't like to speak for others. Right. I do know another person that didn't feel comfortable bringing her wife to departmental gatherings. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just a little bit more um, traditional in their mindset. Mm. What about you, Gabe? What do you think? I think from the non-academic affairs side, probably I think like yes. Um, and I say that in this, in this idea that Good right, point. I think there's yeah. this idea that right in student affairs that right we put on drag shows on campus. We right. have all these things that like seem exciting and right. Um, so I feel like from my part of higher ed, I think that it's it's accepted a lot more than I think on the academic affairs side. Um, mainly because right, this is what we do all the time, right? This is what we, we talk about. These are the, the events we're doing. These are the, the conversations we're having, but these are also the students that we're serving in a different way that faculty do um, on campus. So I think it's a little bit more accepting, and I say a little bit because right, I don't think it's, it's just been my experience, but I think it's a little bit more accepting, a little bit more um, the thing. Um, I also think it's very interesting because right, there's this notion that in student affairs there's a lot more women in it and then there's a lot more gay men in it than there are straight men, right? So I think um, our field is already designed, in my opinion, that way. Um, 
But that's right. I also go back to you. I also think it depends on where you are and where you come from. Um, if you're working at a conservative private institution, probably not. Um, but I think in this side of the, of the, of, of the woods of, of higher ed, I think it's a little bit more um, accepting than probably in, in some other places um, in, in higher education. Yeah. And you know what? It could also be a little bit about like the whole preaching to the choir concept right. because I know that when I was still teaching full time, I would sometimes get essays written by students that would talk about how being gay was wrong. Wow. Yeah. Now, granted, that was probably late 2000s, so, and things are changing, right? But, um, you know, of course, I didn't say anything, but, you know, knowing that, so I was always very conscious that I had students in my class with that mindset, right? Um, yeah. So, where do you guys feel like, I mean, you've both been very, um, I don't know if complimentary is the right word, but you have felt like Wichita State is a, a pretty inclusive environment, but we all know there's work to be done. So where do you see the opportunities for growth in this area on our campus? Ooh, the thoughts, like, the thoughts. That's a real question. It's good. I think one of the things I think we need to be better about is intersectionality. Mm. I know, you know, I'd already kind of mentioned about the lawsuit my wife and I were doing, and that that was a tough time for me. And I, I did some things that still haunt me to this day because I was so hurt. Like, you know, we were getting death threats and, wow. you know, things of that nature. And it cor corresponded with the activities that started at Mizzou. Right? So you can kind of translate that to perhaps the origin of BLM, mm -hmm. right? And I can remember, and so of course, like hours after the Mizzou story broke, um, some deans and chairs and other muckety mucks, <laughs> my good <laughs> friends and colleagues, were in a room talking about what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do about this? And instead of and there were people of color in the room that were upset and I couldn't move past my fear and my anger to to embrace them. And I was just like, you know, y'all are lucky, y'all y'all are protected by rights, you know, we're not even protected, you know. And and and, and it was very emotional and I, I remember that strongly to this day because of course what I know is, you know, there it, it's not a zero-sum game. Yeah. It's not one person winning and the others losing. But I think that's a good example as sometimes we, when we come from one stance, mm. you know, we, we need to make space for everyone. Because, of course, now, you know, if you are a person of color and an LGBTQ member, then, you know, you're even more mar marginalized. And we need to make space for all those kinds of intersectionality. And it gets challenging because there are things that are happening in those communities that make it difficult to reach across right. the aisle. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a WSU issue, but if we don't figure out a way to handle that societal issue, mm. you know, the system issue, then how are we gonna solve it on our campus? Absolutely, that's a great point. Yeah. And I wouldn't add anything different. I think the only thing that I would continue is just, right, how do we talk about um, 
the LGBT experience of, of our students, of our faculty, of our staff on campus. Um, you know, I, I, meetings that I go to and, and people still misgendering uh, people or mislabeling people or you just like simple things as like pronouns and, and whatnot. Like, I feel like there's, we've gotten to the piece of like, okay, we're gonna accept that you're gay and we're gonna move on. But then like, right, we don't wanna dive deeper into the holistic person of, of who's behind the, the people we're working with. Um, and so while, I, you know, I haven't, professionally in my time here have experienced anything bad for myself, I also know that it, there's still so many more things that we could be doing. There's still so many things we could do um, to create an, uh, an environment in which you don't have to worry, I, I, here at Wichita State, you don't have to worry about your identity um, because here we're, we, we accept it all and, and we're loving of it all. Um, but I still think like the, the, the small things of how we gender folks or how we label folks is still something that to this day, I feel like I'm, I'm catching myself having to correct people a little bit more of like, no, that's not how they identify or no, those are not their pronouns. Um, and just being a little bit more intentional and cognizant of of what we say and how we say it and when we say it, um, but then also just being considerate of people and their entire identity and not just the one faction of their identity. Absolutely. We totally need someone from Title IX or care team here to tell us what the real down low is <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, here we are. Well, it's great for students. How do we know? Right. <laughs> uh, so we, yeah. th we've been talking about higher education for, for quite a bit. So let's kind of take higher education out of the equation and let's just talk about generalities um, and maybe what has been your own biggest professional struggle or with your identity and I am kind of the the mindset I'm coming from I know for me prior to entering this particular job this was probably one of the um, accepting this job is probably one of the most challenging decisions I've ever had to make in my life. And the reason why I say that is because normally I'm a very private person by nature, always have been, um, just who I am, believe it or not. <laughs> but I was like, wait, what? Right, right, right. But for me, in order for me to achieve my full potential and make the impact that I could make, I knew I was going to have to be very open mm -hmm. and very transparent, and I was going to have to put myself to a degree on display to be judged constantly. And I didn't know if I was ready for that. I didn't know if my life that was so private and personal, if I was ready to put it on a pedestal to be dissected um, at every moment. Um, and so for me, that was a huge thing. And so for me saying yes to this position was like, okay, now you're gonna have to really step up to the plate because there's so many young men on this campus um, that have come from similar backgrounds of you, similar experiences, and they haven't seen a you in their classrooms. They haven't seen a you as a faculty member. They haven't seen a you doing research um, and being acknowledged publicly on the campus. So for me, I knew that was important. So I'm gonna throw it over to you guys specifically. So what has been your biggest um, struggle with your identity as a working professional? Well, Gabrielle and I probably do not have that whole privacy thing. <laughs> my, my office is always like, Carrie, oversharing again. Yeah. Carrie. <laughs> um, for me, I think, let's go back to the bisexual thing. Mm -hmm. I kid around because, like I said, I identified as straight when I arrived at WSU, and um, now I don't. And so sometimes when I'm kidding around about it, I'll say, yeah, the dating pool was so bad in Wichita that I became bisexual. <laughs> Expanded the pool. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Now, and again, and and that's okay. I can say that 
But the challenges that I have had as a bisexual are other people kidding around about basically equating bisexuality with a voracious sexual appetite. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and actually when I came out, my um, hetero-identified friends were all incredibly supportive. It was my gay friends that were not supportive. Oh, y'all are nodding your heads. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And especially as a bisexual, I, they, they were like, okay, let's, what did I hear? Uh, you're taking feminism too far. Um, you're too pretty to be a lesbian. Boy, that was a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> and and think, or you're not brave enough to say you're a lesbian. Mm. And you're just, you know, experimenting and having fun. And one uh, lesbian woman, uh, now admittedly she was a bit cocktailed, she started screaming at me and saying, you are our worst nightmare. Now, just imagine that coming out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I always try to, as I'm doing now, highlight bisexuality because I feel like I have some privilege and I want to normalize that. It's challenging because of all those dynamics I just described. And I feel like I need to take my privilege and and kind of put it out there front and center. Mm -hmm. I also feel like I need to put my sexuality out there front and center, just kind of like what you were saying with the students, Bobby. Um, And so I'll casually mention my wife. Do I have to do that? No. But why do I do that? Because I've seen sometimes students that are LGBTQ come to me because I've let that be known. Mm -hmm. And I've had the honor and the privilege of being the person that a few students have come out to. And so, yeah, that's actually not a challenge, but that will just segue from the challenge to it's given me very special moments. Hmm. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. What about you, Gabe? Uh, So I think the challenge, and this is right, just still me and my Usefulness of as, as I still figure this out. Um, I think it's definitely going to be right, like having a, a significant other um, of like bringing them to things or bringing them to events or things like that. That I like things that I normally do at work, but having I guess a partner will be, is going to be interesting. And I'm already pre- assuming that it will be a challenge, so that's really? probably going to be my biggest challenge. <laughs> um, and that's the thing that I even think just personally of like having a partner and bringing them home to family and things like that. It's it's a whole thing, but we won't get into it today. Um, you know, I think for me, since I came out at the beginning of my career and I've like gone through this journey so far, um, the past eight years still, like right, this being my identity, I've never been shy to talk about it because I've, right, when I was in college or when I was in high school, I didn't have someone, and I did. And I remembered that when I came out to, well, I guess, to myself first. When I accepted the fact that this is who I am, I always told myself, "I don't want you to create an, to create an environment that you had when you were younger." Um, I wanted, like, right, I told myself I was going to be publicly who I am because I want people to be comfortable. Um, but then I also want people to know that, right, that I can be a, someone to help them with whatever they experience or uh, to protect them or anything like that. I don't know why I feel like that's a thing, but I wanted to do that. And so um, I think the only challenge that I feel like I'm going to have is, is right when I guess I get serious with a partner or just having a partner is going to be an interesting thing because right, that's just a whole new piece that I'm going to have to 
handle or have in, in working in working professionally um, is like bringing the person to holiday parties for the office or bringing them to uh, graduations when I go for shoot or whatever it is. Um, it's just going to have to like, how do I see that piece of who I am and that piece of my life and how does that going to intermingle into work? It's going to be very interesting. And I'm already making the assumption it will be, but that's just how my brain works. And that's mm -hmm. how I was. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's going to be the challenge that um, I'm going to deal with. But then also, right, like, I have career aspirations and moving up is going to be interesting of how this plays into um, the decisions that I, I make to move up in this field. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but that's kind of where I kind of see it potentially coming. I have a question for you. Yeah. Abby. Yeah. So I don't know why I started thinking about this while you were talking, but um, Gabriella and I have worked together professionally for a couple of years now. And I started thinking about the concept of family while he was mm -hmm. talking. And, you know, the three of us sitting around here talking are family. And even though that's in a larger community, I know when I first started working with you, Gabrielle, while I don't think it was a conscious thought at the time, but right now thinking about it, there was something that allowed me to connect with you even easier knowing that we were family. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you felt that or, and I've never even really kind of thought about that or dived into what that m might mean, but that something happened when we started working together, knowing that we shared that identity that made it, I, I think I can say this, easier to work with you and made me feel more connected to you quicker. Yeah, and I think, First of all, thank you. That makes me feel very good. So, oh my God, thank you. Um, but no, I agree because I think, you know, I I had a staff member a year ago who, um, and he doesn't work here anymore, but he was a, a straight white man. And my biggest nerve wracking thing for me was, and this maybe this goes back to the challenge, is working or having straight people work for me, especially a straight man work for me. And I remember talking to my boss of, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I, A, am not going to tone who I am as a person down to make him feel comfortable, but then B, I'm also not gonna let, and this is not a thing, but let his straightness kind of like overpower me as, as a person of who I, that I am. So I think maybe I go back to that being the other challenge, but I think kind of what you were saying, like I, th I think that kind of, right, I think that it takes down that barrier of, of mm. right? Um, for, I remember when I, we first started working with, God, you're an associate dean, I'm an assistant director, like, you know, the power dynamic is crazy here, but I agree, I think maybe it made it feel easier to be able to work with, not that it had been hard to work with you, but had made it easier in, in taking that, like, notion of, of the power differential was, right, that we're family, we have this identity, this is something that we've experienced before, because um, I don't know, you think about that, like, working for my vice president who identifies uh, in the LGBT community was very easy as well because, right, mm -hmm. we have that identity and connection um, that I don't have to explain myself to, to you and I don't have to explain myself to that person um, because we already, we have that unique shared experience um, where it's not as easy when working for someone who uh, identifies as straight. But I think that, I think going back to the challenge question, that's definitely something that I maybe, and I don't know why I didn't remember that, um, that has been interesting and a unique challenge for me of how do I help this person, this young professional, um, how do I supervise them when Right, that it wasn't. It isn't the same, and it's mm. easier to work with with women than it is sometimes to work with straight men. Um, and it's been such a unique. Like I don't know. And, and when he was here, it was such a unique experience for me. Of this is probably not going to be the last time. So how do I? 
figure out how to make this work um, without compromising who I am to make sure that that person is comfortable. Because that's the one thing I'm not gonna do, right? I'm not gonna bend over backwards for someone else to feel comfortable with who I am. And I think at the end of the day, I think we all have that 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 desire to be accepted for who mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm naturally you know and I think at the core gay straight doesn't matter I think we all have that internal desire to just be accepted whether you know it's by your your loved ones people that you work with you know people that you just casually meet we have that need and I feel like for people who identify anywhere on the spectrum that need is elevated because you've spent so much of your your upbringing and or time or your career trying to conceal certain aspects of your life to not make other people feel uncomfortable. Um, And so when you're able to feel and at least understand people who will have understand that feeling, it resonates different. You know, and that's, I always say, because I came out later, it was a little easier for me because in coming out in my 40s, I had other issues in Mm, my past that I had to deal (laughs) with. And I was like, there is no way in hell I'm going back to cowering and hiding mm-hmm. and being ashamed of who I am. I am in my 40s and I'm just going for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, and I had lots of years of therapy too to help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like w- what I'm hearing really from all three of you is that there's that shared experience that just takes away the question of when you're first meeting somebody how are they going to react to me? Mm-hmm. If you already know, mm-hmm. you know, that they, that they have that shared experience, they're not going to be judgmental or hateful or any of those things. But realizing that with anybody else, you always have that question mark, you know, or even hearing you talk, uh, Gabe, about, I say you and point to you like people can see, <laughs> but um, hearing Gabe talk about the the possibility of people not being accepting of a future partner. Um, again, you know, as when I was a, you know, early 20 something thinking about getting married, that never crossed my mind, you mm-hmm. know? So just some of those things where there's always a question mark mm-hmm. for you guys. I'm mm-hmm. sure that, that that's what I'm hearing a lot of. It's just that there's, like Bobby said, you want to be accepted for who you are. And it's so much harder. But that, that hurts my heart when you said that. I, know. I, I was so surprised. It, I mean, it really did. So, oh. I say, I, did you want to ask no, that? No, okay. no, no. You're like, well, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, what would you say then, either of you, to other people? Let's say younger students coming up. Let's say uh, maybe not even younger, but people just in their coming out journey. Um, what advice would you have for them or words of encouragement or support would you have? And we can start with either of you, whoever's got thoughts. <laughs> um. I think what the new the, the upcoming generation of, of students have that that different than even me was um, that being gay isn't a new thing anymore, right? Like it seems to be the it talked about in a lot of different places, right? You see it in on TV, you see it in the media, you see it in all these things that um, I feel like, you know, they, they still will have their struggles and I'm not gonna take that away from them at all, but um, it's, I think it's a little bit easier because of uh, people like Dr. Welks or because of people who have already kind of uh, made it easier for, for gay people to uh, exist in the world and and do the things that they want to do um so i think for me i would say right don't ever compromise who you are as a person just so that you can fit in with a space or with people and that it's not your job to make people feel comfortable around you um right 
just as when we exist in spaces, right? It's not their job to make us feel comfortable being around them. Um, and so I would say the, the same for, for young people um, is that be who you are and be proud of it. Um, recognize that just because you're, day, you're gay doesn't give you um, any level of, uh, I don't even know what I want to use, but it doesn't give you uh, an excuse for other behavior that is not accepted, right? You still can't be racist and be gay, right? Like, so, right, you can't have some of those things. It doesn't give you a pass. That's the word I want to say. It doesn't give you a pass from all the normal, the other things that are um, that are out there. But then recognizing kind of what you can do for the next generation as well, right? Like, if you think about, um, you know, our, our students right now, what are you setting up for the next generation of Wichita State students who experience their lives here on campus? Um, and that you don't have to be... Uh, the martyr or like the it gay and or things like that to feel like uh, you're making a difference or an impact to people on campus so, or in, in your in your environment. So, um, so yeah, I think you know, take the time you need to to come to terms with it and accept it, but then also recognizing that there are people who will care about you if others don't. Absolutely, I love mm-hmm. that. What about you? I really worry about youth a lot. Um, yes, things are changing. Hallelujah. And I worry a lot about, especially for gay men, right? It's almost like I worry about them being kind of like tokens or it's cool to have my gay friend, right? Um, (laughs) Like, oh, we've got one of those. Exactly. And um, no, I'm not thinking about my mother. Um, (laughs) And then under gay, then you kind of have lesbian, which is a little less cool. And then by the time you, and like I've already talked about bisexuality, but then by the time you get to trans, there is a damn war going on. Yeah. And I can't, I can't think about youth as a professor or an administrator or a WSU employee. I can only think about youth through my advocacy hat and it brings out my mama bear and it brings out my fierceness because the hatred right now that is being coordinated against trans people across the US is atrocious. And so what, even though things are getting better and we go back to that slogan, it gets better and you don't want to be too too doomsday, right? And you want to support and you want to uplift. I also want them to fight. Mm -hmm. I want them to have that righteous righteousness that is going to keep on and not allow this kind of crap that legislatures are putting out there that's that is defining people as less than i mean you can hear the anger in my voice and 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 anytime it's about someone else and especially someone that's younger and more vulnerable i'm gonna get fierce and angry really quick because it's always easier to protect someone at least for me other than yourself Mm -hmm. right Yeah. yeah and it I just, I cannot stress enough what that concern is. And so what I hope for them is that they will continue as a community to get the support, not be tokenized, and to keep marching forward. Because there there are members of our community that are on the front lines of a war. Yeah. And I would add that I feel like society has moved past 
gay and lesbian a little yeah. bit more and have gone after the other letters in LGBTQIA, um, right? Like now the attention is focused on our trans people and trans youth and um, because, right, what are you going to do for gay people? Gay people can get married now, right? Things, I think, right? So the attention of society has shifted. Um, the one thing I would also add is that internally as a community we're fighting each other because we also don't want to understand. Yep. I remember lots of conversations I had with friends about um that, that uh, friends that I had that were bisexual and just them getting attacked of why can't you choose one side or why can't you do this <laughs> or right all these things and then now right as a community we are still fighting each other about everything else that comes out with it and so um, I think that'd be the other thing that I would I would want to say to people is that we already have enough people who are trying to attack us for X, Y, and Z we don't need to do it to each other oh that um, is so and good and that'd be the other thing that I would want to mention is and I think that's where I was trying to go with like right you don't get a pass is you still have to be allies and supportive of the other members in the community because they don't have those people right and everyone else is attacking them and fighting them you have gotten lucky that right if you identify as lesbian or, or gay and maybe to some extent bisexual, right? You get, you're, it's a little bit different because it's not where the society is currently digging their claws into mm-hmm. um, that you still have to be supportive of the others because someone did it for you or someone did it for your letter in the in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the gay uh, LGBT mafia is what TikTok says right now. Um, <laughs> so right, I think that that's the one piece that I would also challenge the, the youth is that you can't forget People have been doing, have been advocating and defending you for years, and you've got to be able to pick up the baton and do it, um, so that you can set up the next generation um, who will probably still inevitably have to be dealing with some of these things. And how do you make it a little bit better for them? Um, and continuing down the road. I think that was well said. Absolutely. And, um, for both of you. But I do want to take this time in closing to say thank you guys so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to to come and chat with us and uh, to be vulnerable with our listeners. So uh, once again, thank you. And we appreciate all the work that you guys do here on this campus and within the community. So thanks. Yeah. Thank and may I, may I add one more small question? It's on our list. Bobby's ignoring it. But I really <laughs> want to ask it. Um, can you give us some – you've done a lot of um, speaking directly to – people dealing with these sorts of issues who are within the community. What would you say to allies and advocates who want to help, but maybe, I mean, I've learned a lot from you guys sitting here, mm-hmm. and a lot of times I have the thought of, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. What would you say to us? Okay, I'm gonna jump in really quick, cause I was an ally when I came to WSU. Mm-hmm. And it was very different tr- going from ally to community member. Really? Really. And we need allies. We've all got to come together to make progress. And you're not going to be a quote, a part of the family. Right. Beca- mm-hmm. and, right. And there's always going to be that little bit of you maybe don't get it. And so sometimes to be a good ally, you got to listen more than talking. Mm-hmm. And you've got, and then we have to, in our community, in the LGBTQ community, we need to make space for allies. And we need to say, just because they're not in our shoes doesn't mean they don't care and they can't help. There, that's probably a whole new, new podcast. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm serious. There, because we've got to come together. And it's, I personally have felt the difference, like even being literally on a picket line as an ally versus a community member. There is a difference. Mm. Yeah. I think the one thing I would add is to check your allyship. Um, why and how 
you exist in a space matters just as much as um, as anything else. And so um, I agree. I think listening and I think, you know, being the person that I don't think there's an expectation that we require you to be the ones out there working with us or, or fighting with us, but being the one to help us like once you've gone all day kind of talking about it, it's just like, let's just not talk about it. Right? Let's talk about something else or do something else. So being that listening ear or that person that they can, that someone can come to. Uh, but then I would, I got to go back to you, right? Check your allyship. Um, you can't claim to be an ally and then not show up when you're needed. In this next segment, we're going to learn about this topic from a different vantage point, the students. So we're going to explore what life is like for LGBTQ plus college students and then compare and contrast that experience with what we just heard from the professionals working in the field of higher education. So joining us today to break all of this down are Wichita State students Neiman Thompson and Jordan Hawk. Hello and welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you for being here. Hello. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So let's just start with uh, a couple quick kind of rapid fire questions just to learn a little bit about you guys. So I'm going to have you each answer three questions. Um, one, how do you identify? Two, what's your major? And then three, um, where are you from originally? So um, let's start with you, Jordan. Hello. Uh, so I identify as a uh, straight transgender man. Um, I am originally from Wichita, so I've been uh, born and raised here all 23 years of my life. Uh, and I'm currently getting my master's degree in uh, healthcare administration. Awesome. And your undergrad was from here as well? Uh, yes, right? I got my exercise science degree as an undergrad with uh, three minors in uh, leadership, um, business management, and then uh, healthcare management as well. Awesome. Well, very nice. Thank you for being here. And what about you, Neiman? Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Neiman. Um, I'm a junior here at Wichita State University studying social work. Um, I'm from Wichita, Kansas, born and raised. And how do you identify? Oh, and I'm gay. <laughs> I'm a gay man. <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> so uh, everyone's journey is different. And when it comes to thinking about environment, et cetera. Um, so I'm thinking and I'm wondering, uh, when did you guys come to terms with your own sexual orientation? I know that's a process for everyone. So Neiman, I'm going to kick that off to you. Uh, when did you come to terms? Come to terms. I want to say my whole high school career would be me <laughs> ultimately coming to terms with it um I, I, as for coming out i came out in my junior year which was pretty hard initially um, my parents weren't 100 percent accepting but you know with a little more research and a little more understanding i feel like they they really came to terms with it and they've going to accept me for everything i am so yeah that that'd be a good kind of estimation of time okay and for you specifically neiman um mm -hmm. when, when you when you when you say that um, your parents weren't that accepting, mm -hmm. um, so would you say now, do you think that contributed to the the way in which you came to terms with your sexuality? So w w the fact that your parents got to a point where they were okay with it, did that allow you to become more okay with it? Or were you like, no, mm -hmm. I was okay with it regardless? Yeah, I was, I was definitely, at first, I was kind of more dependent on their acceptance mm -hmm. and their kind of views on how... Yeah. Um, how I am and who I am. Um, but I feel like now I'm at a place where I'm just like, hey, if you don't agree with who I am fundamentally, then I mean, why are you in my life? You know, something like that. So, um, yeah, I would definitely say at first it, it was a little rocky. Okay. We got there. And Jordan, what was that experience like for you? Well, um, <laughs> I would say as young as six years old, I knew I was uh, a bit different. 
Um, this is kind of a, maybe a, a long story, but uh, I remember being six years old. I was visiting uh, my grandmother in a really small town called Roselle, Kansas, uh, and I was playing at a park, and this girl that I never met uh, was there, and she was like, are you a boy or a girl? Because I was rather and androgynous when I was younger, you know, short hair, I wore boy, boy clothes, and, and she asked me, like, are you a boy or a girl? And, you know, I had never been asked that question. I was just like, oh, I'm a girl, like, that's just who I am, but uh, that gave me an opportunity to be what I felt I truly was and in someone else's eyes for the first time. And I was like, oh, uh, I'm a boy. And I, for like that, we played together. You know, she thought I was a boy and I felt so bad about it. The next day I, I saw her and I actually told her like, actually I, I'm a girl. And um, just looking back on that experience though, like that was the very first moment that I knew that I wasn't a hundred percent who I was supposed to be. Um, growing up though, I was raised by uh, lesbian moms. I, have, I was raised by a tribe of women, honestly. <laughs> um, but I, I, so I grew up thinking, you know, oh, I like girls, so, and I'm a girl, so I must just be gay. Um, and I lived my life as, as a gay person for uh, up until the age of 19. Um, and that's when I was finally able to cut my hair short, like short, short the way it is now, the way I've always wanted it to be. Um, and I started researching and looking more into it, and I realized that I, I needed to transition. So um, summer and fall of uh, 2016, I, I came out socially, uh, started navigating that, changing pronouns, um, came out to my family and friends, um, coworkers, and then December of uh, 2016, I started my hormone therapy replacement, um, and then December of 2017, I uh, got my top surgery. So it's been a very long journey, <laughs> yeah. um, but I would say uh, I finally came to terms with it. Um, I think it was my going into my sophomore, maybe junior year of my undergrad, but um, but yeah, I eventually came to terms with it, and I've haven't looked back, and everything's been great since. Wow, journey for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting that. Um, both of you have used that term come to terms with, um, you know, both in relation to yourself and also to other people, um, which just has, I mean, there's just a connotation there of, of yeah. struggle, of challenge, you know, and so I'm curious, what, what are some of those challenges or what are some of those moments that were particularly difficult um, for both of you, either in the coming out process or even now? What types of struggles do you face? I guess I'll go first with that one because um, I'm sure we have plenty. Um, but for me personally, I feel like that question within itself, even the, the the point of coming out, is the struggle within itself because uh, heterosexuality is inherently the default for everyone. Right. And so the fact that you have to disrupt someone's idea of what things have been and kind of say, hey, I'm this you don't you probably haven't interacted with me or know anything about me but i like men you know and yeah. for some people I, I would be the first kind of person who would ever say that to them like real life you know in person so i think that's one of the biggest ones is kind of kind of finding your own space yeah definitely yeah and I, I know like when I came out, it was a shocker even to like my 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 mom, like who I expect, you know, she's gay, like she she's aware of trans people. Like I, I figured it was going to be an easy transition, you know, literally. Um, <laughs> but it, it wasn't because she's very um, she's very uh, pro woman and not that mm -hmm. she necessarily hates men, um, but she has a natural uh, 
she's more inclined to, to trust women versus men, and that's just how my mom has always been. Um, so when I came out, uh, I think it kind of came as like a slap in the face to her. Like she didn't understand why I wanted to be a man versus being a woman, because in her eyes, women were superior. Not necessarily, again, not hating on men, but right, she, right. she had this, uh, you know, a stronger pull towards that. Um, so it took getting used to that, uh, and she even now she still makes comments about my facial hair, and I'm like, well, to me, my facial hair makes me feel very secure in who I am, but to her, she's like, men look gross with facial hair, and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but getting getting over that, um, that was a really major struggle, and then um, the hardest part, I think, with being trans, especially in the beginning, like, um, or if you just don't choose to go the medical route, is people don't know your pronouns unless you tell them, and people aren't programmed to ask. So when I first came out, like, I was trying to hide my chest, but I had double Ds, like, my voice still sounded very high. Like, people could tell that I was not a cisgender man, so I would get, you know, misgendered a lot, and people would say she and her, and I would correct them, um, and sometimes they would still, you know, not, they wouldn't register with them because they look at me and they don't think man, they just think girl. Um, so that was the, probably the biggest struggle with that is finally getting over that point to the where I was just seen as a regular guy. Um, so that first, I would say, six or seven months was just a lot of emotional turmoil. And then once I got on the hormones, stuff started to level out naturally and I, I overcame most of that struggle. Can you, do you, would you mind telling us, so when, when you are misgendered, mm -hmm. You know, we, we hear a lot about that. And as a, a cis woman, I will never know what that feels like. But I'm very curious, what does that feel like like in your heart when that happens to you? What goes through your head? It just, it a lot of things. It, it hurts. I mean, now when someone, if someone act accidentally is like, you know, because people slip up, they're like, say he or her and mean she and him or whatever. Um, like now I'm like, <laughs> I clearly do not look like a female <laughs> or sound like a female, so whatever. But at that point, it was just, it was painful, especially when people knew that I was trans and they were making that choice to still refer to me as she and her. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that they really understand the the emotional turmoil that, that puts on a person because I, I feel comfortable as a man. Like, I want to live as a man. I want to be seen and heard and treated as a man. Um, so having someone say, I'm not going to call you him. I'm going to call you she or being told you'll always be my daughter. Like that just, it stings because right. that's, that's not who I am at my core. That's not how I'm treated by my peers at work. Like it, it's just a big slap in the face, honestly. And I would say like, if you accidentally uh, misgender someone, just be like, oh my bad and move on. Like, don't make a big deal out of it. Um, and just do your best. And honestly, if you're not sure what someone's pronouns are, just ask them. Um, like if I was giving a tour one time at the gym and I wasn't sure uh, if the person I was giving a tour to, I wasn't sure what their pronouns were, but we got to the locker rooms and I was like, so here's the men's and here's the women's. What are your pronouns? Because <laughs> I, I didn't want to be like, well, this, this is the locker room you're going to use. I wanted to know for sure right. what was going on. And it turns out that person was trans and they, they were in the, in the middle of transitioning. So I was like, I'm glad I asked. Now yeah. I can refer to them with the correct pronouns. So um, my advice would just be just to ask and it, it's okay to ask. Absolutely. I, I do have one more follow-up question. I'm going totally off book here, oh, no, Bobby. Um, <laughs> I, particularly in your situation, Jordan, but possibly Neiman, you, you face this too. Mm -hmm. When you were talking about um, your moms and was there anybody who who maybe thought this was a phase for you or was like oh well you are you know just a lesbian or you know did did you get faced with are you sure did anybody say that to you definitely um my sister was actually the first person who uh would tell me like you don't know what you want this is just a phase you'll grow out of it and kind of wrote me off as like 
oh well, he's he's just figuring stuff out. You know, the day I came out to my whole family, and she said that to me, and it, yeah, it's it's very telling, you know. So yeah, um, for me, one of my three moms at first, she was like, like, are you sure? Like, and she said something about how when she was younger, she didn't necessarily feel comfortable as a woman either, but she. Uh, from what I remember, she was like, well, I, you know, I sucked it up. I got over it or something like that. And, um, like, I know some people do like may go through phases where they may not do be a hundred percent sure. Um, but I don't think it's ever safe to tell someone like, this is a phase. Like, right. Right. I think it's yeah. okay to, to be willing to like explore it with them. Like if you have a child who let's say they're 14 and they're identifying now as trans, like that's okay for them to explore that. And I think having parental support on just exploring the options and like thinking about it, like I didn't just do this on a whim. Like I went to a therapist, right. like I really dug through my past and my life and how I've always felt um, to come to that conclusion. Like it's not just you wake up and you're like, I'm gonna be gay today. Like mm -hmm. it's, right. it, it's a process <laughs> right. that you have to come to understanding with. Um, so yeah, so if someone says it's a phase, like I, I'm just like, mm, I don't think so. Based on, yeah. the, you know, it's four, we're going on four years here. I think, I think it's not a phase. So, and it's me and not you. So, yeah. sorry. And, and I always say that the the interesting thing in, in this whole entire process and or journey is the fact that um, no one would randomly wake up in the morning and say, I want to endure the amount of scrutiny, Absolutely. judgment, uncomfortability, yeah. <laughs> ridicule. Yeah. Like who just wakes up one day and said, this is the type of life I want to live. I want to walk every day into a room and feel uncomfortable. I want to not be able to date who I want or who I, who I choose to date freely. Like, I don't think anybody just randomly wakes up and says, this is the life I want to encounter for the <laughs> rest of it. Like, I don't think people understand that. But at the same token, um, I think on the, on the flip side of that is learning how to not give um, people the the don't allow people to to have the right and the authority to dictate our happiness. And I think that's also a, a thing that, that we have to work very hard in um, is just that process. Um, and I think that is part of the journey of, of, of being fully comfortable in the skin that you're in. Um, so thank you for that, that, that transparency. So I would like to refocus just a little bit um, and think about maybe what has been your biggest struggle as a member of the LGBTQ plus community on Wichita State campus specifically. And Jordan, I'll start with you on this yeah, one. Yeah, so I have an answer for this picked out. So um, when I came out, I was working as a front desk attendant at the Shocker Hall front desk in the dorms. Um, and I would say about 85% of the housing staff were very supportive, like on board with everything. Um, but there were a few distinct people that I knew, like just from conversation wise, like they were very heavily rooted in their religious views. And I knew that they were not accepting or appreciative or understanding of it. But because of their housing, you know, training, I used air quotes here. Um, <laughs> they, you know, they knew how to get around that without like being blatantly rude to me. Sure. Um, but after I came out, like people I had had like as acquaintances, they just stopped talking to me because they didn't want to have to use male pronouns. Um, I just I just remember like 
this one RA, he would just always avoid me. Like if I was coming into a conversation, he would just leave. Like that way he wouldn't have to like interact with me or like use male pronouns. Um, and then of course, like students coming up to the front desk to get their mail, especially before I got on hormones. Like I, again, like I, I presented more female than I did male at that time. Um, and there was a lot of misgendering that I was subjected to at the front desk as well. Um, and that caused a lot of emotional turmoil too. Um, and then I would say the last big struggle of being on campus as a trans person was um, I was taking a summer class and I was wearing a binder and it was hot and walking to classes and like wearing the binder and like some of the rooms didn't have AC. Like it was just very, really uncomfortable physically. Mm -hmm. um, and then the emotional part of, of the, some of the housing interactions as well. I would say those were like my main struggles um, with my journey on campus. And for me, I, I feel like a lot of my struggles are internally. Hmm. And so for one example, like um, I was a, a group mentor for a specific group of kids a few years ago. Um, and because of how I present myself and how I sound, people assume that I'm gay without even like getting to know me. And so that's been pretty hard because a lot of the times some people will make that inference my whole being mm. and they'll think that my whole world revolves around being gay and like I talk about all the time or I talk about what needs to be fixed things like that and so for me kind of the it's kind of internal and external at the same time yeah. because again you don't want you don't want people to assume but then again it's like it's not a bad thing in my eyes but it can be for some people so again like without even without even people getting to know you they make snap judgments and they assume that you want this or you want xyz xyz stereotypes in the community stuff like that a, a, a thought for both of you because you both have been on this campus for at least three years um and so what was and what is dating like in this environment for you guys if you guys mm -hmm. feel so inclined to answer that question because <laughs> that one is a curveball I know that wasn't planned. that was not on our list <laughs> so Jordan you wanna oh yeah absolutely <laughs> so um, I'm married now I got married August 8th of 2020 pandemic season um, <laughs> um, but I actually met my wife uh, Danielle I met her in Shocker Hall so I was still working the front desk at the time and she told me she remembered like she remembers seeing me and she told me she didn't know if I was a boy or a girl when she first saw me she just knew I was cute. So um, so we started dating, uh, I think around, we officially we made an official February of 2017, um, and we haven't looked back since. So for, for me, like that just kind of, it happened. It fell into my lap, honestly. Like I wasn't looking for anybody. Um, I was dealing with this huge life-changing <laughs> event, you know, of transitioning. Um, and she met me, like we started dating officially like about a month after I had started hormone therapy. So she's been wow. with me through the entire process. Like she bathed me after my surgery. Like she does my shots for me sometimes now. Like um, I've just had a really good experience with her as a human and um, I'm just really blessed that I met her on campus. Um, I, I know that's kind of a fairy tale story because not mo most people don't just meet someone these days, you know. Um, but I was also just blessed to, to have her be so accepting and, and her whole family is very accepting. Like um, her dad tells me I'm the nicest guy she's brought home ever. So like they, they, they didn't care from the get go like that I was trans. So I've personally had a really good uh, experience dating on campus because yeah. I met my wife. So it's wonderful. <laughs> well, I have yet to meet my partner yet. So <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of branching off of that, um, I'd say it's it's pretty difficult, and not because of the specific 
campus in general, but just like how society views it. And so imagine you are the average cisgender man, okay? When you go into any space, the, again, the default is heterosexual. So your pool of dating is much larger than someone who right. is, for example, a black gay man. Yeah. Because again, you take the population with Sean State, you cut it in half. Right. <laughs> and then when you size it down further and further, your pool is like, 10, 20 people max, and half right. of them are your friends, friends because right. <laughs> you have to make friends to get through it. Right, right. And so you don't know a lot of other gay people, so I mean, half of them are your friends, and the other half, I mean. And that's... dating in the black community as a gay man in general is a whole nother, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother topic of conversation, yeah. but that 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 world itself is, is, is very much so a struggle, especially mm-hmm. being in Kansas on top of all of that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, your pool is very small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's even harder when people they kind of push their ideas on you and they just say, oh, just, just, you know, be out there more. Go to X right, more events. Right. And I'm like, I've been to a lot of events <laughs> right. in my, in my right. time here. So it's... Because that means you need to find someone who's just as comfortable in their sexuality as you are. Mm-hmm. And in the black community, that's very challenging to yeah. find. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I understand. Mm-hmm. Great points. So well, thank you guys for being willing to, to answer that, even though he went off the cuff there. <laughs> um, so would you have any advice as people who um, are further along in your journey than maybe someone who's about to enter college or someone who's um, just starting to grapple with their, their own identity? Would you have any advice or support or encouragement you would offer them? Hmm. I can go first. Um, I would say for one, like uh, regarding like what I did, like it's okay to explore. Like I remember to- like I toyed like with being like non-binary for like maybe a week or two and then I was like you know what I'm just I'm just I'm I'm procrastinating <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now um, and I was just like I just gotta jump in but I also again like I did utilize a gender therapist like I talked through it um, I used the therapist to talk through things with my mother as well um, so I would say if if it's uh, affordable for you like utilizing those resources um, and if it's not affordable like hopefully there's resources on campus uh, again I'm not sure what we offer as far as mental health and stuff that goes here but I would say like looking around that because um, it does help with the self reflection process. Um, and then also like finding a friend, someone that you really trust and talking with them about it too, because um, they can really help like help you out and have your back, um, especially when it comes to like vouching for you. Because like, let's say I'm not in there, but like my best friend is like, and if someone misgenders me, my best friend can be like, hey, it's, it's he. Like yeah. having someone in your corner that you know is going to protect your identity and protect your, 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 uh, your self esteem um, is a really big uh, benefit, I would say. Absolutely. Would you add anything to that, Neiman? Yeah. um, Jordan, you made a good point about finding your support system. And I think that's super important at Wichita State and college in general. Um, I will talk your ear off about the counseling and prevention services here (laughs) at Wichita State. Um, It's a fantastic program. There are some counselors who are LGBTQ. So it just takes the initiative to find those, you know, those counselors and those people who are on your side. Um, and utilize them to the best of your ability because at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of people won't advocate for our community, so we have to do it ourselves. Well, I think 
it's interesting because I, I, we, we, we were really strategic about this particular topic because I think it's something that um, we don't hear enough about and we don't have enough perspectives that add to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to say thank you guys so much for being willing to to be open and honest and vulnerable and candid about your own experiences. And I, I hope that this is a conversation that we as a campus community and just a community in general can continue to have. So uh, we are very grateful for you guys joining us today. So thank you for that. Yes, thank you so much. Absolutely. And also thank you to all of our um, listeners who have been listening today. The experience of hosting this show has been um, a journey for both Bobby and myself. And for any of you who are joining us for this ride, we simply cannot put into words how grateful we are to all of you um, being now three episodes into season two. So we'd love to hear any feedback or topic ideas that you might have. And if you're someone who's been keeping up with us for a while and you are finding value in what we're producing, just do us a favor and share this podcast within your own community. So Thank you again to Neiman and Jordan and all of our guests today. And everyone have a great day and join us next time on Let's Let's Talk Talk About About It. It. Bye.